I mean, for me, this is why this feels like, well, it's the world going to end in 30 years. That's <laughs> always sort of hanging over me like... Oh my God! <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Is that like... what... Oh my God! This podcast is taking a turn for the world. Do you have any final words, Tom? <laughs> over and out. <laughs> my God! Hello and welcome to 30 by 30, a podcast tracking 30 adventures as challenged by my friends before my 30th birthday. In this podcast series, you're going to hear me climb a mountain, attend a protest, ride a motorbike, attempt to date my comedy idol, yikes, and so much more. In this week's episode, two mates, two challenges. Welcome back to 30 by 30. I know I've been very quiet for the past few weeks. Um, Summer in the city has been a gorgeously big and sweaty distraction. Plus, I've been chipping away at the next couple of challenges, which, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know has created an underestimated bound of admin for me. The wall chart is getting busy and the bank balance is feeling pretty poorly and um, I'm just really excited for what's coming up. So let's just get on with episode six. Here's my friend Tom with his challenge. I challenged you to go on a solo getaway. Now, at this point, you might know that I edit travel books for a living. But to be honest, I've always felt a bit of a fraud for calling myself a travel editor and never actually having done a solo trip. You'd think it was a rite of passage like part of the job interview, but it it isn't. And every day I talk to my intrepid and adventurous authors who squeeze writing jobs between their travels while I navigate the circling district line five days a week. So when Tom gave me his challenge, I was thrilled that I would finally feel like a fully qualified member of the travel media community. But I was nervous. Not so much about the actual travelling bit, I've caught um, countless flights by myself over the years, but it was instead the prospect of days spent solely by myself that I found a bit daunting. Like all of us, I'm complex and um, I'm very independent and I really value my independence. I work hard and I play hard, pay my bills, exercise as best I can and just generally dodge the curveballs that life throws my way. But I'm also an introvert. I need time by myself on my balcony with a book or in the bath with a podcast or in my pants in my room binge watching Killing Eve. And like many millennials, I definitely masquerade as an extrovert, possibly um, even more so because I live in a city. My work schedule is hectic, my social diary is clogged up and dinners out often take priority over an optician's appointment or vital binge watching sessions. It's the modern world we're all living in, especially us 20 and 30-something-year-olds. And like many, it can mess with my mental health, which I'm sure I'll come back onto in future episodes. It's almost as if I've been conditioned to feel like I should always be on the go. And those moments when I finally get to slow down, moments I used to really treasure, sometimes make me feel a bit breathless and possibly a bit inadequate. You might remember my friend Matt talking about meditation in episode two. Those spaces in my thoughts can get neglected and so sometimes when I'm alone I finally have time to reflect and the spaces can instead brim over with anxiety. And so for those reasons I was a bit concerned when Tom gave me his challenge. The prospect of time by myself abroad with just my own thoughts for company was a bit scary. But here's the good news, I loved it. I settled on Italy because, like all my family, I just worship it. The food and the scenery and the art, it's just reliably beautiful and effortless. 
swayed by gloriously cheap flight prices and the allure of knowing next to nothing about it, I chose Cagliari um, for some sultry Sardinian sunshine. And I tweeted some of my experienced um, travel peers asking for their advice on solo travel. And they gave me loads of brilliant tips. Join a walking tour, chat to bar staff, take a good book, just a few nuggets of excellent advice. And I practiced a tiny bit of Italian with my sister before the off. Sonologia and, you know, giving the impression that you're about to launch into full Italian. (laughs) Sonologia. (laughs) And before I knew it, I was heading for Sardinia's capital city on its southern coast, with little else than a couple of floaty summer dresses and a crisp copy of Donatart's The Goldfinch for Company. So I've not long arrived at my guest house, which is really lovely. I had a very warm welcome. So I'm just unpacking a bit and then I am in desperate need of some coffee after my 3am wake up call um, and probably something to eat so I'm just going to unpack and then I'm going to get going Buongiorno um, uh, Un cappuccino per favore sì. Grazie Cagliari dripped with Italian charm Built into a rock face and looking out over the sparkling sea, it was a labyrinth of weathered winding streets where lines of washing and doorstep gardens were waiting around every corner. The sound of chiming church bells, buzzing vespers and animated chatter filled its piazzas and the sun offered a constant 28 degree glow. I spent most of my days walking around its medieval castillo, which wound around the top of the city and offered the most gorgeous views out over it. The goldfinch kept me company and together we cafe hopped, sipping coffees and later apple spritz. I thought of my English teacher, known affectionately by my school as Sorrow, who told me at the age of 17 that the best way to enjoy a book, to really get the most out of it, is to read it in a European city with little else than a few coins for refreshments. He was right of course. I devoured my book, pausing to people watch and move on to another cafe, dropping into a church or shop en route. I did join a walking tour and called in a museum, both of which were really revealing of Sardinia's long and fought history, but otherwise I just enjoyed being outside and getting lost in the city. Definite high point was when I was stopping to people watch in a huge sun-soaked plaza, when an Italian girl on rollerblades whizzed over to me and held out her kitten for me to stroke. This was right before a dog bounded over to join the three of us, jumping onto the seat next to me. The definite low point was the roads. Crossing Italian roads scares me at the best of times, but when I'm on my own, it is absolutely terrifying. My solo trip was the loveliest, and I genuinely really enjoyed my own company. I allowed myself some headspace and treated myself with the likes of pasta and gelato galore. I was really sad to leave. A few weeks later, I hopped on a train down to a particularly leafy pocket of Sussex to catch up with my friend Tom in the completely idyllic home of his lovely parents. Actually, we go back to a Facebook group. We do, we do. um, Of... I believe well, I don't I don't remember whether it was for our course in university or for our course. I think it might have been our course. I think it was our course. So we started talking, yeah. realised we were on the same course yeah. and um in the same halls and from the same wheeled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We hailed from the same part of the UK. Yes. Yes, yeah, so we were Facebook we were having Facebook chats. Yes. Which I think were slightly dry. Very dry. Um on both parts. Yeah. Um, but then we met up on the first day. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember it. And be honest, vividly. what do you remember? That you talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you talked an awful, awful lot. Not in a bad way, but I was just like, well. Yeah. Which also, because, like, also, when I'm in an awkward situation, yeah. um, I shut down and yes. don't talk. So, because I, if I feel awkward, I think I feel the silence. Yes, and I just make them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was sort of, yeah, we were kind of um, polar opposites. And I, I remember that. I remember, I think we met in your room. Yes, you came down to my room. Yes. I might have had a cup of tea, maybe. If yes. If we'd found the kettle yet or worked out how to use a fridge for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And I remember that. I remember feeling quite awkward and I think then I just kind of like doubled in enthusiasm. Yes. And talked at you quite a lot. Yes. But it, it worked out. But then it I worked in our favour. It did because then I think probably then we were like, well, should we go to this lecture or whatever together? Yes. And then I feel like maybe I, I, I calmed down and you relaxed. Yes. Exactly, and we found a happy medium between <laughs> yeah. me talking somewhat and you not quite, <laughs> not talking so much. But then we were kind of like, then we were, I'd say, really close friends. Yes, at uni, we were very close friends. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's how we know each other. Yes. And now, obviously, and we never lived together. No, we lived very close at one point. We did, well, yeah, I we mean, did. when we lived, I think... Two of the three years that we were at uni, we lived very close together. We did. And I think the third year was my favourite because you were around the corner and yes. you lived next door to our friend Rachel. Yes. Um, and she lived with Lois. And they're two of my other challenges. I don't think that you and I had any particularly raucous... We didn't have any, like, um, particularly embarrassing... Drunk nights. Stories. Because, to, to be totally honest... I don't remember getting that drunk at uni. I think it's probably probably because I was quite young. So maybe it didn't affect me in the same way it does affect me. Um, I think in, more, in my 20s, I have more drunken stories than in my, like my late teens. No, I think, I think my, my funniest story was that, well, I just one, one morning I woke up with an awful hangover and had like a traffic cone in my room. I thought, wow, <laughs> I must have been exceptionally rebellious last night. <laughs> I'm such a good student. <laughs> I finally got a traffic Done cone. Done it. I woke up so, and I had absolutely no memory. So I was like, that's another good symptom. Yeah. Um, and then talk, spoke to people and they're like, no, you got absolutely wasted. Um, you went, at, you walked out of halls, picked up a traffic cone from the halls parking lot, <laughs> took it back inside and went to bed. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> what a story. I, I know. Mean, he must have dined off of that one. <laughs> <laughs> just walked into the, into the uni parking lot, it's just picked it up and then went to bed. Yes, I think my 20s has been slightly... Insane. I think my 20s is where shit's gone down. Yes. And I have Well, stories. that's good. We didn't peak at uni. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe we peaked in maybe, our 20s. Maybe we haven't yet peaked on. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> <laughs> Could it get any worse? <laughs> but your challenge to me yes, was, was to do a solo trip. Yes. Why? Um, I, I knew, I, first I knew it was something that you'd never done. Yeah. And I thought it was something that might terrify you a little bit. Yes, you were correct. Uh, and I, th- I thought it'd be also just like, I mean, because I know you like traveling. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I think it would be, would be a slightly eye-opening experience for you to say, well, I'm on my own yep. for, I think there was three days in the end? Yes. Um, and I, I, I personally, I've done it a couple of times, so I enjoyed it. I think it allows you to like, A, have a nice time and not, and do exactly what you want to do when you're visiting yep. a city. And also just to sort of lay back and take stock of your life and, yeah. and think and not have... 
outside interferences, yes. as it were. Yes, so it's sort of like a, a quite an empowering thing, and then yes. a bit of a mental health... Or, or I think maybe not mental health, but just sort of like mental a way, well-being, mental well-being thing yes. to do. So, so with each challenge, I've kind of treated that person as my consultant. So I like yes. to get sign off. And I think I was originally thinking of Cheshire because I was born in Cheshire and I've never been back. Yeah. And you were so lovely because I think you were like that. You could do that. That sounds lovely. But you were kind of like. But I sort of felt like. I mean, it wasn't in my how I imagined it. <laughs> I mean, my my imagination was. <laughs> like somewhere else in Europe, another yeah. country. Um, probably Italy. Yeah. Due to your love of Italy, yes. and it's a nice place to visit. And I just sort of imagined you sort of like on the seafront promenade in a floral dress, yeah. si- <laughs> sipping on a spritz yeah. on your own, yeah, and being cooed over by um, a swarthy Italian waiter, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> And Tom, you know, that's, now that sounds really braggy, bar the last bit, um, that's exactly what I did. Mm. And, and I'm really glad that you, that you, and you were so lovely about mm. it as well. And, you know, you were just really supportive and, and, you know, you didn't make me like do anything too outlandish for no. a fortnight. Um, and I, that's exactly what I did. So I went to Sardinia and I put every day, I was like, I'm going to put on a nice outfit and a full mm. face of makeup. And I'm going to walk and, you know, just do what I want to do. And also, I'm going to stop and have my Aperol spritz. Yes. And, you know, often I'd have two and the waiters would be really attentive. And and I so enjoyed it. It was... I was nervous. Yes. And my mum was quite nervous. Really? I think she was... I think she was more worried... Oh, your mum must hate me now. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No, I think that she was worried because... Because I've, I've flown loads of times on my own. Mm. I've come to see you. Yes. And I've but past boyfriends have lived abroad. And I think that I... I was fine with the travelling bit. I think it's more... I'm not... I think I was more worried just about being by myself. Yes. For days. That's what... And I was worried where my mental state would be. And I think that's why my mum was a bit worried as well. No. I completely understand that. But I loved it. Yes. And I was... And it was so nice to sort of be completely selfish. I think if it was a good amount of time as well. If it had been much longer, I might have gone a little bit crazy. No, I think travelling on your own for, like, too long a time is yeah. maybe not the best... No. The best option. I really... I think it was a really good challenge. I think it was a yeah. really... Because you... I think you thought about it and you were like, no, I think that this will push you outside of your comfort zone. Hmm. But I think... It'll be something you'd enjoy. You'd enjoy it. So you said you have, you've done solo trips then. Yes, I have done uh, a few. Uh, so the first time I did it, uh, I went to Vienna. Yeah. Uh, when was that? That was uh, the summer in between um, my undergrad and my master's. Mm-hmm. That was really good fun. I still have friends from that. And friends of friends of friends who have, like, moved on from that. And now I'm going to probably visit one in the States. Nice. Uh, and then after that, the the other big one I did was going across um, Argentina. Because mm. I went to see a friend in, in Buenos Aires mm. and a friend in Santiago. And at that point, there were no um, low-cost flights in yeah. South America. Yeah. So there were sort of two options. One was to take a 36-hour bus yeah. all the way just from from one, one point to the other or to take overnight buses yeah. um, and go be in, the ta- be in the towns on the way yeah. and like, just travel on my own that way. Like, the buses are not lovely. Like, the, they have beds in their buses. Wow. And yeah. 
they're not like it's not, not like, like, a, like a mega bus <laughs> no, it's not the mega bus by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> so that was nice i ended up doing it for longer than i meant to because i got to um mendoza which is the town right before the the border yeah but essentially the border between the two countries is the andes mm. so i got there um and my friends were waiting for me on the other side of the Andes where they got, they got a cabin. They were all like ready to receive me there. You're ready to receive? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it wasn't the best, the best turn of phrase, sorry. Um, so I went down, I got up bright and early in the morning, went down to the bus station and I'm like, oh no, doesn't they, it's not going today. The, um, the pass is snowed over. Oh. Um, so I was like, okay. Okay. Great. Um, went back to the hostel and so on and so forth for three days. <laughs> but at the same time, some of the, the made friends with people at the bus station who were also trying to get from one point to the other. We ended up staying at the same hostel and went on some amazing trips there, amazing. which was really nice. Amazing. Went horse riding in the Andes. Got uh, managed to get taken up to um, like a natural spa somewhere in the Andes. Yeah. Um, Went on a cycling wine trip. Oh my god, this yeah, sounds got, lovely. Um, one of them nearly got run over because they were so drunk on a bicycle. Less lovely. Yes. <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was yeah. my... So you, you, you've obviously enjoyed yes. solo trips. Yes. And you and I have been away together. Yes. So I've obviously come to see you in Barcelona, but we've been... Also went to, to Italy. Italy. And we went to Lake Garda. Yes. And then Milan. Yes. It's not, Italy is not, is never a hardship. No, never ever. Um, I think you and I should do more of Italy. I really think we should. Have you thought about turning 30? Um, yes. Uh, I mean, I think I've been thinking about turning 30 for the last five years. Mm. Um, I think I sort of hit, maybe hit sort of like a, pre-30 crisis when I was 25. And you're, and I, you're now 29. I'm now 29. Yeah. I, I'm probably around 25. I don't... Uh, I can't... Couldn't place it exactly. I mean, if I got a chart out, I could. But um, I do remember sort of being like, whoa, 30 isn't that far away. Yeah. What's going on? Take stock. Um, and sort of having this feeling that I had to have everything sort of on track. Yeah. Um, Career-wise relationship wise mm. which I mean obviously relationship wise I didn't career wise neither here nor there mm. but I think the and then sort of thinking oh god if I'm coming up to 30 well like by the time I hit 30 I need to at least have be moving along the right way to like be with like being with someone but thinking about getting married yeah. um thinking about having children I think the closer I got to being, thir- to being 30 I've been like Right now, that's not the right thing for me. Yeah. Not, not what I want at all right now. And also, the situation just hasn't arisen, arisen. Yeah. for whatever reason. And just sort of getting irritated with the fact that it hasn't arisen or sort of be, being harsh on myself for not having got to that point doesn't help anyone. It's not going to help me find that or know what I do want. Yeah. Or what I should want. Yeah. You're so that's really interesting because that's kind of how I feel. I think that and this is what we were saying was maybe I think we both assumed, which I think many people would, that by the time you're thirty, 
you know you're doing and you're at that point you're ready to settle down whatever Mm. and you and I haven't found ourselves in that scenario Mm. but that's not to say that I'm like chomping at the bit to have a kid but with a child I'm really really not there so it's kind of it's complex yes that we both kind of do want that and we thought we'd have it but also we're cool with the fact that it's not there it's not there and we're not like desperate for that yeah I think it's also sort of like over the course of things as I've taken stock and realised that maybe that's not necessarily what I want Mm. completely I mean I'm not like completely opposed to it but I mean, is it not just the sort of thing that's sort of been told to us? Like, mm, you mm-hmm. go along, you, you go to uni, have your career, yeah. meet someone, settle down. Yes. Married, children, mortgage. Yes. Et cetera. Eternity. Eternity, and then, and then die. Essentially. <laughs> the main point is to make sure that what you're doing is what makes you happy. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I necessarily know that, but I think at least the one slight pearl of wisdom I've drawn out of my 20s has been that what I thought was what I should be doing or what was sort of like the natural narrative to follow is not necessarily what would make me happy or what would be the best thing for me in my life. Mm. But so you, you, um, you and I went to Reading and Mm. then, um, we both graduated. Yes. And not that long after graduating, you moved abroad. Um, I did. I did my masters. I mean, my idea was to do my PhD, but then I, I burnt out completely. And yeah. Said, mm. Then, so obviously, finished my masters. Like, oh, I'm living in Leamington Spa, which is a lovely town, but I have absolutely no connection to it. Yeah. All my friends left because they'd finished their masters. Um, I was working in a pub. Yeah. Had sort of no career path, nothing going on. I was like, oh, this is odd. Yeah. To say the least. So I was like, okay, let's let's up sticks and move abroad. Yeah, and, and uh, that's what you did. Yes. And essentially, like, my, my aim was to learn Spanish. Yeah. So South America terrified me. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so I went to Spain. Yeah. Um, and went specifically to, to Barcelona. Yeah. But when I look at your life, mm. like, you're, you know, you live in an incredibly cool city you've bought a place yes. you have a lodger yes and you've i know think now you're working in an office uh yes yeah, so, um what do you call it co-working but are you space oh, so, oh, well. okay I, so you're freelancing yeah i'm still freelancing and yeah. you then you can juggle that as well like tom from my from where i'm sitting i'm like that's incredibly impressive Seriously. Yes. I don't know when I, when I take stock of it, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's great. Yeah, because it's like you've learned two languages. You're living in a really cool foreign city. Like, your life is amazing. All your friends are really, you know, uh, bohemian and gorgeous and sexy and talented. <laughs> and then, you know, you set up effectively, like, you know, you work for yourself. Yes. And you own a place and you have a lodger. Like, that's yes. something to be... That's not... Not many 29-year-olds are in that position. I think that you... That is true. You can feel proud of that. You should feel proud no, of that. No, completely. No. I, I mean, I do. Yeah. But I think it's sort of the sort of like, yeah. you could be doing something else, you could be doing yeah. better, you could but be... But I don't have this, or I yeah. haven't achieved that. I think where, I mean, yeah. it's the, the old grass is always greener. Yes. I think it's vaguely swings and roundabouts. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah. I think that you hit on it when you sort of said that maybe we were sold or you're kind of given an idea growing up of what a certain stage in your life you should be doing or what you should want to be doing. Exactly. And I think that 
there's a bit of a backlash with our generation of being like, well, well it's not that easy for us. Yeah. And also, maybe we don't want that anyway. Exactly. But we don't know what we do want. Precisely. I think there's, I mean, for me, there's also this feels like, well, is the world going to end in 30 years? <laughs> so it's sort of hanging over me like... Oh my God. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Is that like, what I mean, yes. no, yes. I mean, yes and no. It was sort of like a kind of like lingering presence. So like, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, in ecological terms. Yes. Yes. Everything could go pretty tits up. Yes, it would. In twenty fifty, I mean, everything yeah. is going tits up, but we, things could really start affecting us. Yeah. And like, as a society, like as a society, yeah. Like things could function like in a completely different way, and not necessarily for the better. Yeah. So, but I think as a child as a teenager in my early 20s I sort of imagined that this world this society yeah is what's always going to be there yes. and that I would reach my 80s heaven yeah. forbid I reach my 80s <laughs> I would reach my 80s in a very similar society but yeah. the way that the what we're constantly being told now yeah sort of makes you think like well it's not going to be the same one. What's that world going to be like? Yeah. And I can't plan based on mm-hmm. the structures of this society and this world that we live in now to plan for uh, 2050, 2060. Mm. So, I mean, obviously I'm not planning anything. But no. I have any sort of grandiose plans. But so I, we always project somewhat towards the future. Yeah. And I just feel like over the last five years, a sort of a kind of haze of environmental crisis has fallen over that. Yeah, that's frightening, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Right now, now I'm ready to to build a bunker in your back garden. Yes. Um, and never leave. Um, that's true. That's that is incredibly frightening. We're having to contend with a lot more. Well, no, I, I feel like actually I say this, and I'm and I'm probably not doing certainly my grandma justice, and she lived through the blitz. Actually, she did have to live through hell. But I guess with my parents, and maybe I am being really unfair, but I wonder whether they were having to kind of... I don't think they were having to battle with... No, but I, th- I think but it's even like in our situation, we're the first generation that's yeah. going to live worse yes. than our parents. I mean, even like the, the financial crisis happened just as we were going into uni. That's right. And I think we went into uni saying, oh, there, there'll be a job waiting for you at the end in more or less what you want to do that that wasn't the case no you're um, so right because the, the economy's went yeah yeah you're right and now and now we're dealing with we have brexit yes. and we're dealing with an um, environmental crisis um and i guess it's that kind of you know you hear that thing of like live every day like it's your last and you're mm. sort of like well i can't because because you don't I've know got to, you don't know and besides which like i've got to pay the bills yes. like if it was my last day on earth i probably wouldn't choose to sit at my desk but assuming that <laughs> I need money to do Anything. the thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I have to do my nine to five. Yeah. Um, so I guess it is just kind of trying to get a balance between being sensible, but also having think, fun. Yeah. But I mean, I think the sort of like the, the, the thought kind of goes, can go two ways. You can sort of say, well, I can, well, or three ways. You're like, well, I'll just complete, continue sort of living on with my head in the sand as if everything's going to stay the same and nothing's going to happen. 
or be completely hedonistic and say, well, the world's going to end, so yeah. I might as well just uh, damn and blast and yeah. have fun. Or I guess probably what you should be doing yes. is reacting. Yes. Which is not something I do do. No. But something that maybe I would want to do. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. That's really interesting. No one's talked about that yet on the podcast. That's really good. Um, yeah. Morbid. <laughs> Sorry. <and> morbid. <laughs> so we go from getting too drunk and, and stealing going to sleep traffic codes from just outside. To like, when the world ends. I can pour myself another glass of wine on that. Should. I think you should. Now, I'm not going to round up as I normally would at this point in the podcast because the eagle-eared will have picked up on the fact that episode six actually ticked off two challenges. So I'm handing over to Ben to introduce his challenge. I challenged Lucy to a solo dinner um, where she was to dine alone and without any headphones, a book or her mobile phone. It seems stupid not to kill two birds with one stone and ticking off a second challenge in heavenly Italy seemed just like too good an opportunity to miss. So I decided to tackle my solo meal while swanning around Cagliari between getting lost in the city streets and snuggling down with Donna in bed. I chatted to Ben soon after my return to London. Uh, we work with each other at DK and we're part of the sort of self-titled dream team <laughs> yes. that have worked together on quite a few books with other people, but obviously we're the, the core two members of that team. And then we would just work together on a very cool coffee table work, yeah. which was really stressful, but... Um, very, very beautiful. So something very separate from the guidebooks, just, but it is something very different from what they've done before, so it should be good. But yeah. it was, like I said, very stressful to get that out in the end. So you challenged me to go on a solo meal. Yep. Why? Um, well, I believe I was a quite a late um, a challenger, a late submission. So there was a long list of challenges that we drew up beforehand. Um, some were incredibly challenging, yeah. to say the least. You, and you, then some were a bit sort of. I don't know. Do you remember any of the ones? Because you read out all of the possibilities. Yeah, they were really. Some of them were really not dangerous, but not 100% safe either. I think one of the things that's not wasn't unsafe, but I thought was funny, was one of the ones that you thought about was getting me someone else to pick what I wear. Oh yeah, every day. like someone pick your wardrobe for a week yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, but then it, it really limited it to who could actually d- pick something from your wardrobe. Yeah. And it came down to just being your housemates and they probably know you quite well, so it wouldn't be that much of a challenge. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> the idea of you walking out as like a yeah, like dressed... Dressed like a toga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from like a random fancy dress party. Yeah. Every day could be a themed day. I think maybe you settled on this because I was like, my reaction. Yeah, I think your reaction sold it on this one, actually. When we <laughs> pitched you the, the final shortlist, the, your eyes lit up when this one came up. And being, being a challenge has to be actually challenging yeah i it's and it's also the fact that you specified you you said no book or phone yeah or headphones. it's like, like sort of no technology and yeah. i suppose as you're a sophisticated editor millennial you will read as well so yeah. no books that yeah um, that's i think what scared me so like, that's fine i like i i can put my phone away whatever the idea of not having a book yeah it's really scary it's just dinner with yourself or any other meal yeah. on your own in a restaurant with a load of other strangers who you will feel like are looking at you all the time yeah. but in actual fact have probably not noticed you at all so I I went I did this in I decided to do it in Italy because I was away anyway so I was like well it makes sense to do it here and I did make a bit of a boo because so I, I 
because it's quite where I went was quite a small place. I basically ended up eating and drinking at every place in like the main square, which had the best atmosphere. And so for your challenge, I was like, oh, I want to, I want to do, I'm gonna splash out a bit more and go somewhere a bit different. So yep. I looked up good restaurants and I found this really good restaurant, like white tablecloths. It was really swanky, Very fancy. Really fancy. Um, and it was down this little alleyway. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll go there. And it had really good reviews. And the food was delicious, and I'll be honest, the waiter had a twinkle in his eye, and that kind of... (laughs) (laughs) Classic Italian man. (laughs) Yeah, that lured me in. But I did get a little bit bored, because I think it it was just the fact that it was down this little alleyway. I think I should have... Yeah, it was so tucked away that you were literally eating down an alleyway, essentially. Yeah, and there there were other patrons, but there wasn't really, like, any music or anything, and so I was a bit like, oh, no, I think I haven't actually picked the best place. So full confession is... I did read after my dessert so before my the bill came. Challenge wasn't even completed. <laughs> that must be the first one of your challenges so far that you haven't actually managed to do. It's just that I feel honoured. I just got I just got a little bit bored. I think the restaurant choice was the was major the, error yeah, there. Yeah, but I have to say the food was like it was the best meal I had, and he was lovely, and I and I did. Obviously, I was eating on my own all the time, and actually, it is genuinely very hard to read and eat at the same time. Yeah, you see people doing it on their own and like when they walk home from work, and you're like, it's quite a talent to hold a book and eat and yeah, or just, sort of hold I, yourself I, together. Through my gardens, reading while they're walking, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know how you can do that. They just must walk into so many people; they just get used to it now. So, so yeah, there it is. To be fair, at least you ate on your own. Well, you didn't have a choice, really, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on holiday on your own. You managed to eat solo dinners and yeah. lunches and breakfasts for yeah. a, a good couple of days. That's all right. Yeah, and like I didn't, I didn't talk to. It wasn't. Yeah, most of the time I was just on on my own, and I was I was quite scared about. But actually, it was. I really enjoyed myself. It was lovely, and and I talked to the waiter and like. Yeah, I think that in my mind it was chat. this sort of movie set picturesque kind of quaint town with this person sitting on her own, and then these waiters who are dreamy, and there's this guy <laughs> sitting at the bar and. Like basically the start of a rom-com film. Yeah. But to be fair, it had it had all of that potential. <laughs> yeah, and it just ended up with you eating dinner on your own down an alleyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. Exactly. It's the whole point of these yeah. challenges. Exactly. Do you eat on your own? Obviously, I prefer going out for dinner with other people, but sometimes I do like going out for dinner on my own because yeah. it's the. I'm not sure if it's like a, a, a sort of whether I'm incredibly well developed as a person or not developed as a person. The fact that my company is plenty, <laughs> I'm more than happy on my own. Whether I just get bored really easily or I'm sort of really sophisticated. I like to think I'm sophisticated and can oh, eat dinner on my own, but definitely. I think solo dining isn't the worst thing in the world. No. It can be quite good for you sometimes. Yeah, well, I, I definitely found I found the whole experience very liberating and quite empowering as well. So I think it was a really... And you and you obviously you picked up on the fact that I was like, oh, God, that's Yeah, I think definitely the, pa- the panic that was in your face when we mentioned it to you was the real deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. We were like, that would be the one we go for. That's the one. <laughs> yep, it's that one. Obviously, you're, you are a few years away yet. Yep. Um, have, you, have you thought about turning 30 or, or how do you feel about it? Um... I haven't really given it much thought. To be fair, the most thought I've given it is since you've been doing this podcast and you've started to think, oh, I am 27, so I'm 30 in a couple of years' time now. Um, And how I'm going to react to that. But I'm not sure. Like The the usual traditions of turning 30, I think, are like you get married or you're settling down or you're... But then if those things aren't on your horizon anyway, I don't think that's something you really worry about. No. I'd I'd like to think I'm not worrying about it. 
Um, do you think you'll do something like this instead? Do you think that you'll be like, okay, I am going to get a tattoo or I am going to go scut on a scut? Yeah, I, can, I don't know. Near the time, I might start setting in and have like this mini little, not a panic attack, but you know, start to worry and have like this crisis of age yeah. sort of situation. Like a course life crisis or something. And do something really stupid and yeah. get a tattoo or buy a stupid car. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm quite relaxed about it. But then I think that it's generally my outlook on life anyway at the moment. Yeah, yeah you're very chilled. <laughs> Unless it's doing books at work, which is quite stressful. <laughs> but you don't show it, that's the thing. I think you know that with every book you work on, like I do, I treat you like my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a little half an hour session every day just to calm everyone down. <laughs> it's fine, this will happen. It's going to be okay. Um, well, thank you again. I really, I really enjoyed the challenge and I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't I potentially did. But you didn't complete it. Yes. There's no potential. It was not completed when you set out to do it. But I feel honoured that I was the first person to set you an, a challenge that was unachievable. There you go, you There see. we go. So you've set the benchmark. I've set the benchmark. Both of these challenges were quite daunting, but genuinely, they were so enjoyable. And not only did I have fun spending time on my Todd as I explored somewhere new and relished every mouthful of my solo meal, but I felt really empowered. Both Tom and Ben checked up on me to make sure I wasn't having a total breakdown while I was away, and I didn't. I felt liberated and confident. While I can't say I'm desperate to go away solo again, just because I have so much fun with my awesome friends and would rather share travel experiences with them, this showed me that I can travel solo. I asked a few of my friends about how they found solo trips that they've been on and, as always, they offered some great insights. Uh, so I've only ever done uh, solo travelling kind of between meeting friends on trips. I've never planned a trip and, and gone all by myself. Um, what have I done? The first bit that I did was when I was in Southeast Asia. That was about, about eight years ago now. And I was coming back from Laos all the way back to Bangkok to then catch a flight on to my next destination and I did about a week or so by myself uh, which was really fun um, you're kind of forced out of your comfort zone um, and you're forced to meet and engage with new people what I learned was that everyone's actually pretty similar and everyone's actually quite nice my next piece of solo traveling that I did dropped David off in Franz Joseph and then headed up to Auckland um, and I did about four days by myself there in a camper van that was quite cool that was that was different though because that was really, New Zealand's quite a remote place anyway, uh, in, in a camper van. I was doing some wild camping, um, so that was really quite remote and quite alone. I remember I just kind of stopped by a lake because I fancied to stop and went for a swim and then I quite liked it there. So I made a little camp and had a fire and sat under the stars and just didn't really have to think about anyone else. So that was that was a really cool memory that I have, but it did get, yeah, after about four days, I was looking forward to to some human contact again I think it's a good thing to do because it gives you some perspective on stuff when you're just yeah totally you know don't, no, no familiar faces around you and it pushes you out of your comfort zone um, and makes you try things or do things that you wouldn't usually do my solo trip was to New York for my 30th birthday I can't really call it a proper solo trip because I had a friend who lived in New Jersey so I stayed with her for the second half of it I found the first three days on my own really, really difficult because I didn't have anyone to talk to in the evening. However, I loved the trip and New York was amazing, but I was very, very pleased when I could stay with my friend. I'm going to head off on my first bit of solo travel over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to India with work um, and 
on the end of it, I'm going to tag on a few days in Mumbai after everyone else has flown back. I'm currently in the process of working out how to fill 48 hours on my own with no one else. Yeah, it's quite exciting because, you know, you're in this brand new place all on your own and you can just go and find out all about it. But also it's a little bit a little bit daunting. I'm normally pretty good at spending time on my own, uh, so I'm not too worried from that point of view that I'm going to be at a loose end or not know what to do. But th- the one thing I am wondering is so much of my enjoyment of travelling has been, you know, sharing stories with people so far. And I'm, I'm really wondering how that is going to affect my my enjoyment of, of my adventure. So I went to Hong Kong last year by myself. Um, I was there for work, um, but I was the only person from the university there. Um, and But I also took some leave either side to just make... To take take advantage of being in Hong Kong and um, to the tourist side of it as well. Um, I did, it was the first time I'd been away by myself. Um, I'm quite happy in my own company, so I wasn't too daunted by it. There were many things I loved about it. There was something so nice about only having to think about what I wanted to do. And I actually found that I maybe appreciated the sights um, and everything a little bit more than I would have if I was with someone else. Chances are I'd be chatting away to that person and that would have been a bit of a distraction. Um, the only thing for me that I found a bit tricky was um, was the eat, was eating. Not being able to share that moment, talk about the food, taking the surroundings of someone else I found was quite a drawback. Um, I wouldn't have been as leisurely eating um, than I would be if I was with a friend or with um, family. So I've been on quite a few solo trips over the years, although normally with work. And it's only in the last few months that I've been on some solo trips for pleasure. So I went to walk part of the Lycian Way in Turkey back in April, and I've only just got back from the Atacama Desert in Chile. And I think the obvious negative of going away on your own is that you aren't sharing everything with somebody, which is definitely, I think, a really important and meaningful side of travel. But at the same time, you are in complete control of what you do. Like, if you want to just go into a plaza and have a beer and read your book at 10 a.m., you can do it. Um, you can meet new people, which can obviously be great or, or not great, but you're putting yourself out there and I think people shouldn't knock it until they've tried it. Um, Lucy, we're all very proud of you. Keep exploring. I have some seriously adventurous friends. You can find some pictures from my solo trip on my social media. My Twitter and Instagram handles are in the show notes below and don't forget to like and subscribe to 30 by 30 So things I've learned from these challenges. Solo travel is completely freeing and strengthening and perhaps we should all try it once. A solo meal will be most enjoyable in a busy square, not a desolate alleyway. And even when they're not with me, my friends make me feel empowered. That's it for episode six, except to say a massive grazie to both Tom and Ben. Next time on the podcast... I do have to say, I do feel like when we're together, I do feel invincible. Oh, it's so true. I will take that. Well, you, you will need to feel invincible on this task, Lucy. <laughs> Until then, guys...